I like feel bad saying this, but like (laughs) Joey deserved it and her dad was rude. So like I'm sorry. (laughs) Don't feel bad. (laughs) (laughs) Make his pockets hurt. Okay. Okay. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Feminist Fiends and Quarantine Queens, our podcast where we analyze feminism in different forms of pop culture media. I'm Pate. And I'm Nellie. This week, we're moving on from our Netflix original binges and focusing on an iconic rom-com we all know and love, 10 Things I Hate About You. 10 Things I Hate About You is a 1999 American comedy written by Karen McCullough and Kristen Smith. Side note, they also wrote the screenplays for Legally Bond, my favorite movie, Ella Enchanted, and She's the Man. We've already talked about all three, so makes sense that we talk about this one. 10 Things I Hate About You stars Julia Stiles, the dreamy Heath Ledger, RIP, and little baby Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Also, side note, in the script, I wrote Joseph Gordon Ramsay because I love Gordon Ramsay, my fave celeb chef. So just had to add that in there. That literally made me laugh so hard. One of the highlights of my week thus far when I saw Joseph Gordon Ramsay. (laughs) Gordon Ramsay in this movie, he'd be like, you freaking do not. (laughs) I love him. Anyways, moving on. So this movie is a modern modernization of Shakespeare's The Taming of the Shrew and is a classic romantic comedy. The film centers on two sisters, one who is pretty and popular, Bianca, and one who was a heinous bitch and social outcast by choice, Kat. The younger sister, Bianca, isn't allowed to date until Kat does, so the men who desire Bianca devise a plan to tackle the seemingly impossible task of getting Kat a boyfriend. Our guest this week is a fellow Swanee WGS scholar and good pal, Emily Kate. Emily graduated from Swanee class of 2020 with a major in international and global studies and a minor in women's and gender studies. She was co-director of the Queer and Ally House for the 2019-2020 school year and is passionate about LGBTQ plus rights and mental health. Emily is currently participating in the AmeriCorps VISTA program in Greenville, South Carolina, working as the underserved populations and resource database VISTA at Mental Health America of Greenville County. Welcome, Emily. Thanks for having me. Oh, this is so much fun. Last time we saw each other, we were in Zoom school. So oh my this gosh. Is- <laughs> <laughs> its face is priceless right now. She does not miss it. Literally, like, don't talk about that triggering we can't think a about dark it. time it was dark legit time. actually a dark time for me I do think I have the fact that we're almost at a year mark of that I can't think about but no I don't want to think about I that. do very much have like I think I've blocked out a good part of zoom school like I oh, just yeah. I I think I've decided that this is my like positive memory of zoom and I'm not gonna remember zoom school because it was so horrible but anyway we don't I'm literally that. like Oh yeah, I just recently graduated, or I just graduated from college, but like in two months, I'll have to say a year ago, I graduated from college. Yeah. I hate that. <laughs> um, so Emily, we've had 10 Things I Hate About You on our list for a little while, which we were telling you, um, and I'm excited that we're kind of breaking the 
the little streak that we've had on Netflix originals. Cause I feel like our, maybe not at our deep core, but at our core, I think we love talking about like fave rom-coms, like classic rom-coms. So I'm just excited. Love a good throwback. Yeah. So I'm so glad we're doing it again. And you, if correct me if I'm wrong, but you described 10 things I hate about you as your fave movie. And I know it's one of ours too. So we're very excited, but we just like to ask like when guests come on, especially when they pick the, the movie or TV show, just kind of why they chose it and why they think it's worthy of feminist analysis. So we'd love to hear that from you. Sure. Um, <clears throat> well, it's my favorite movie. My, well, my favorite rom-com specifically. Um, one, because Heath Ledger, um, absolutely gorgeous. And, <laughs> and um, two, I think it's really appealing to see a rom-com character that is different um and not different like oh she's a loser but like oh she chose to be a loser like she doesn't want to be popular there's all the like rom-com high school popularity stuff and that's still all that stuff is still in this movie which is fun to watch and it's great but it's it stands out because of cat and she's different and i it appeals to me because i like watching her and um, Patrick like break down those barriers and become like they're like breaking down walls to be with each other like their own personal guards up not like some kind of outside thing happening um, so it's, it's different and I like it and it's definitely worthy of feminist analysis because feminism is talked about a lot in this movie like it's very present Kat is a, a feminist she is very vocal about being a feminist and it completely affects the way that people treat her in the movie that's like the heart of her character is like oh I'm a feminist therefore I'm unlikable and I do things that people don't want to do or don't want to hear and all that stuff so that definitely invites some feminist critique yeah absolutely I feel like amongst its peers I feel like 10 things I hate about you like you said is like one of the only movies where they're like outwardly talking about feminism like like even like the word feminism exists in the movie you know I personally I don't really think I watched some things I hate about you as like a kid or even like a tween or anything like that I think I watched it for the first time at a much older age and so it's interesting having watched it again this week thinking about just like how important that representation is especially in like 1999 when this movie was made like I just think especially now that we're watching a bunch of these movies again and thinking about them this way. It's just really interesting. So I'm excited to really dive into it together. I thought their portrayal of a like typical feminist in 1999 was funny um, because I feel like feminism looks so different nowadays. Um, Something that I kind of critiqued on in my notes is the very beginning, like we see a car of like girly girls like bop into their pop music and then Kat pulls up and like rolls her eyes at them blaring rock music and like drives away and like because she's like this feminist and like hates femininity or like I don't know like once you watch it you understand like she's been burned by the pressure to conform and so like her way of rejecting it is like very opinionated outwardly objecting it um and but like I would also argue that rolling your eyes at women enjoying themselves is anti-feminist. And also, like, mm-hmm. I would be that blonde girl bopping to Ariana Grande in my car. But, like, 
don't roll your eyes at me. You don't know me. I'm obviously a feminist. Um, right. So I just think it's like funny to see how feminism has changed in the past 20 years. Crazy to say that it's been 20 years since that movie came out. I mean, 22 now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I just, I, I thought like her portrayal as like a feminist, like she doesn't wear makeup and she hates dresses like not necessarily a pick me girl because she's super not a pick me girl but like just her rejection of like femininity and other women's I guess like likes was just very anti-feminist in my mind yeah no that was something I was thinking about I was kind of like whoa how like I I think so much of an attitude now is like the reason why a lot of women claim to not be feminist is because they don't want to like fit into this like man-hating box that like we decide feminists are which Mm -hmm. I mean some certainly are and I think some men are worthy of being hated but maybe I won't keep that in um (laughs) (laughs) but like I was kind of I agree with you Paige I feel like when watching this I was like okay is this kind of like enforcing the stereotype a little bit like yeah kind of but I feel like at the time this is what feminism looked like a little bit at least white feminism totally oh yeah and it was like very much white feminism you know I think that the fact that her English teacher calls her out for her white feminist, you know, ideals is great and also groundbreaking for 1999. Yes. However, if my English teacher spoke to me that way, I'm tearing up right now just thinking about it. Like that is so, (laughs) it was so mean to her. Like, and like, maybe that's just his personality, but I would I would mm-hmm. have to drop out and like he obviously is a great teacher in like the few seconds we get of him but like he was so mean I think he just roasts every single person in that classroom yeah I'm so I sensitive do. I couldn't I think it's confusing that she's not like nicer that she's so critical of everything he says which right. I think really is just playing into the like taming of the shrew like hating all men kind of character the male authority yeah yeah which I I get the fact that he calls her out is important but to me I was confused because I was kind of like why doesn't she see that like the choices he's making and the things that he teaches her are like and again maybe it's because intersectionality I feel like hadn't like really hit its like run in terms of like how we view feminism she very much had a white feminist perspective but to me I was confused why they didn't have a better rapport like but I really do think it was just that she hates all male authority so that includes her English teacher who is like like they're clearly the two smartest people in the room you'd think they would get along well you know I agree with you Kate though I would cry so in so I was reading an article by Molly Horan um for Shondaland which Queen Shonda we love I don't think she had any part in making this movie but um Molly Horan wrote this article titled The Lasting Feminism of 10 Things I Hate About You and she expresses how seeing uh quote seeing a teen girl embracing her unlikely her unlikability seemed like a revolution and I know Emily Emily Kate you just talked about this a little bit and I feel like this really like the the way it was pinpointed was so important and so how does and I I feel like we've already kind of touched on this but I'd love to continue to delve into it so how does 10 things I hate about you shape our image of feminism I think it definitely plays into 
the whole feminism is like the F word, like, and being accused of being a feminist gives out like a bad image. Like, oh, I don't want to assume you're a feminist. Like, I don't want to offend you. Um, like I've had someone say that to me, um, which that is what offended me. Anyways. Um, Gosh. Yeah, but anyway. <laughs> um, so I think it gives us an image of feminism as extreme, but also it comes off as childish, like very, I mean, it because it's a rom-com, it's a teen movie, of course it's going to be childish, but like her feminism is childish in the sense of like going against her dad's authority and like bickering with her sister and like I don't know like kicking guys in the balls and stuff like that like just really kind of using feminism as an excuse to just like hate on people yeah and I think some men in particular I mean I know this movie was written by women but I do think that some men in particular think that feminism is literally kicking guys in the balls yeah exactly and Obviously, that's not the case, but yeah, I do agree that this movie plays into those kind of tropes or expectations right. of what feminism is. Because that's what drives it forward, kind of, like, that's, like, her thing, and it's easier to set up the contrast between her and her sister with, like, Bianca being really pretty and popular, and, like, she's portrayed as kind of dumb, versus Kat, who's always, like, reading, she's reading Sylvia Plath, and, like, all that stuff, so it gives it a dramatic contrast between the two. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it's really interesting. Like, Kat is a beautiful, blonde, skinny, white woman. And essentially, the only thing that makes her, quote unquote, undesirable is the fact that she voices her opinion. And I Mm -hmm. thought that was really interesting. And I know I kind of just hated on her for rolling her eyes at other women like, I, I love this movie and I love Kat as a character. Um, so now I'm, like, going to critique people besides Kat. I think that's a really interesting commentary on, like, the high school society that they have portrayed. We all know, like, high school isn't that clicky as this movie. Like, they don't have a cowboy click and a Wall Street banker click. Like, I love that. I love that in my movies, but we all know that's not true. Yeah. But I just thought it was like very interesting that the only thing that makes Kat undesirable is the fact that she voices her opinion. Um, and, you know, that's like extremely misogynistic because you see, I don't even know the guy's name, Joey. Like he is mm. such a little ass and he never gets in trouble. Like he would say like the, his comment, he was like, can Kat take her mind all before class? Um, why doesn't he go to the principal? Why is that allowed? Like, that is so unfair. And I'm getting so worked up over this fictional movie. Um, but like, I just, I just really thought that was interesting how she's like beautiful and like hot and cool. But because she like speaks her opinion, she's undesirable. Ugh, hate that. And because she's not smiling, she doesn't smile at people. Mm. She just glares at mm. all men, all men and all popular non-intelligent women like women like people that she's patriarchy yeah she's that yeah the patriarchy yeah. foot soldiers as we yeah literally like phyllis schlafly leading mm. the charge the um oh my gosh patriarchy's foot soldiers god i miss mansker um <laughs> I I think it's so interesting that we kind of all have this opinion 
on it we're all kind of like it it paints feminism in a bad light like I don't want to speak for us but I do feel like generally that's kind of where we're all at and it's so interesting because this article I read obviously I don't know how old this woman is but I I think she like more so grew up on this movie like was perhaps like closer to our age when it came out and I think Mm -hmm. it's really interesting because she was like I grew up wanting I actually think I remember in the article she talked about being like in middle school so she was about to go to high school when she watched it and it made her want to be like cat in high school like to be like have her own opinions be like her like an, uh, her own independent woman and like it made feminism desirable for her which is so interesting to me because I feel like the way in which we like this is such a stereotype of feminism that like obviously I think for its time it was like pretty powerful from what I can tell at least from reading these these commentaries and how it inspired women to like go against the grain a little bit but at the same time I'm kind of like it's just so interesting to see the contrast of 20 years like of how we view it a little bit differently because I think ultimately she said seeing a teen girl embracing her unlikability seemed like a revolution like I mean I don't think I look I wasn't I I guess it's just interesting to see uh and I guess this does show like growth but I do think it's interesting to see a representation where there would be one feminist in an entire high school. Like, I just don't think that that's the case. You'd have at least two, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, obviously she has her friend, like, um, that's obsessed with Shakespeare. Mandela. Yeah. Which like, <laughs> she definitely is a like feminist, but she's also kind of like, I want to go to the prom. Like she's not feminist in the same way, but we don't think of her. Like, I don't think you watch the movie and think that girl's also a feminist. I think we're able to look at it and think of that that way, but I don't think just kind of any old viewer would, connect those dots and it's just interesting because I feel like you see the the take video that you shared Pate kind of talks about how Kat as a feminist paved the way for other feminists and I think the Mm -hmm. like Booksmart is an example of there everyone in that school is feminist like they all would identify as feminist and so yeah it's just interesting to me to see that kind of you can like physically see that difference I guess um and just the difference in kind of interpretation of it like the the weight it holds because obviously we're like this is a fun movie and it is different than the typical rom-com representation but it's not necessarily painting feminism in a positive light the way that this that Molly Horn talked about in her article Feel free to disagree if I'm not speaking, if I'm speaking for the group when you don't feel that way, because I don't like to speak for others, but. I can see, yeah, I definitely agree that it, I don't view it as portraying feminism in a super great light, but I also wrote that article and it was, I can imagine how seeing this movie when there hasn't been a movie like this before um, would be really groundbreaking and how because if you think about other rom-coms there's not another female protagonist that likes to be unpopular except she's the man but that's more of like a tomboy thing and not like I am intentionally rejecting femininity because of these principles it's more just like I I don't like wearing dresses (laughs) Um, so it's a little different but um, I don't know. I would be interested to like talk with someone older that saw it when it first came out, that was our age when it first came out and see 
what they really thought about it as and if especially if that person was a feminist at the time or not because that definitely would change your perspective so I think if you maybe aren't super well read on feminism or like paying a lot of attention to it or maybe don't identify as a feminist even just watching this movie now you might think oh yeah that that's normal feminism that's what that looks like that sure it, it that's how it should be shown does that make sense yeah oh absolutely and I agree with what you're saying like I think if we could have some kind of poll and poll like specifically yeah. like like 30 year old like people in their 30s like people that are 10 years older than us like yeah I don't know like and just see their different like their how they would interpret this I'm curious how old Molly Horan is so I could probably look it up but it has a different kind of impact on the, on its audiences depending on their journey mm-hmm. in feminism and in life I think and also I think as the movie goes on Kat you get to know Kat's character more and get to know her as a person she actually has a lot of depth to her character and so it's not what it seems to be at first of just like surface level oh I'm a feminist oh I'm a bitch oh I you know that like you actually get to know her she opens up she has a heart to heart with her sister she like falls in love with what's his name Heath Ledger's character Patrick Patrick yes um so you see her as a real person and opening up more so it's not I I don't know I don't know I I completely agree I've been thinking this while you were talking like she is you know cold at first but she is the main character and even though she's like portrayed as being a bitch the audience I think undeniably like loves her and is rooting for her that's what I was trying to say thank you (laughs) no like they're trying to paint her in a bad light but like we're still liking her because she's a likable character and then once you figure out like oh she's acting this way because she was like extremely hurt and like made a choice like a choice to have sex with someone and then that like ended up not being what she wanted and she did it because quote unquote everyone else was doing it like she did you know a 180 and completely stopped doing what everyone else was doing um but it, it kind of helps you have like context and understand why she is the way she is and so that's why I can kind of like when she rolls her eyes at other girls like I hate that but I can understand like she's like in a sense she's trying to protect herself from getting hurt further um in turn like I think ultimately she's not helping the fight for feminism but like I love Kat she's like great and I would want I would want to be her friend she would probably scare the bejesus out of me and she would probably hate me because I'm bubbly but like I feel like if I was like oh yeah, I'm a feminist, then we would become friends. I'm sorry, I was like literally one years old when this came out. <laughs> and it's a movie, it's not real. And I'm like, I think Kat would like me. You as you, baby Pate and, and Kat are friends. <laughs> she would like be my babysitter. Oh my god, she would never. That's too patriarchal. Oh my god, you're so right, Nelly. <laughs> I... Oh my gosh. It's funny because I was like, as you were saying, she's not, she's doing feminism a disservice. I can't remember exactly what you said, putting feminism bad light. I don't know if that's what I said, whatever. Uh But I do think it's interesting because like, obviously I said that I agree, but also at the same time, obviously it's a movie, but if you thought about this, like in specifically a high school context, like if it weren't made for a, a movie, if like the 
one feminist in like in the high school in the 90s was like this kind of brooding like indie punk rock like man-hating bra-burning feminist I I'm like feeling critical of my opinion now because I'm like is it a little like neoliberal to be like it's this one person's job to like represent feminism for everyone like it's just interesting because obviously it's a movie so it's like they crafted like what the environment was but I feel like it is interesting to put all of that on her back to be like hey you need to like represent feminism and make it accessible to all these people like I actually am now kind of like no that's actually not her job like if again it's a movie but like I I I think I'm kind of like oh maybe this is it's deeper than that I don't know I'm constantly never she never tries in the whole movie she never tries to convert anyone to feminism right she's not she's not preachy she's not she's just like she's living her truth and hating men (laughs) yeah I mean in that context she is like if if she's really not preaching and not pushing it on anyone like to me then we can't be critical of how she's behaving I mean she is sometimes a heinous bitch but like I don't think that that means her feminism is any less valid and also sometimes her bitchiness is incredibly valid Joey whatever his last name is is a dick so I hate him terrible I do think he's like a teenage heartthrob and I like definitely thought he was cute. Nellie, literally don't say that. Ew, he's so not cute. Sorry. Okay, but you didn't think that about he? Obviously, I thought that about him. Okay. And Joseph Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Joseph (laughs) Gordon-Ramsey. Joseph (laughs) (laughs) Gordon-Ramsey. Oh my god. Ew, no. Joey, he's like Antony. Like, gross. Oh my gosh. Emily Kate, if you listen to the Bridgerton episode, I hate um the older Anthony. brother Anthony. Tony. I actually haven't listened to that episode because I haven't watched it. Oh, do that you makes sense. But you need to watch it. I do need to watch it. It's on my list. It's worth a, a binge. It's, so, it's such a quick watch, in my opinion. But yeah, it goes by so fast. So, like I said in the intro, ten things. I Hate About You is based on Shakespeare's Taming of the Shrew, which in my opinion, Nellie's opinion, I think anyone who has read or heard of this play is incredibly misogynistic. So while 10 Things I Hate About You writers Karen McCullough and uh, Kristen Smith probably did everything in their power to stray away from these misogynist elements of the play, it's been argued that in many ways they come up short. So like, what do y'all think about this? And like, are there any examples that you can give about why you think like there's still elements of this misogynist play in the modernization? I think there's a couple of things you could point to, but the first one that came to my mind was towards the beginning of the film when um, Cameron sees Bianca for the first time and like, you know, she's really pretty. There's kind of like the slow-mo intro or whatever. And he's talking about how gorgeous she is to his new friend. Um, what's his friend's name? Michael, I think. Michael, also, fun okay. fact, he was the elf in the Santa Claus movie. Oh my God. <laughs> I did not realize that. I literally couldn't look at him without <laughs> thinking about his elf ears. Anyway. <laughs> oh my God. But he, so Cameron uh, is saying to Michael, wow, she's, you know, all this, she's beautiful. And... Michael says something incredibly sexist about like, 
oh, girls like that just wear, wear clothes like that to remind guys like us that we can never have her and to make guys like Joey want her. And it it literally sounded like an incel like <laughs> comment. It was so gross. I would I would say yeah. that would be that would qualify as misogynistic. This is a pretty bad one. Right off the bat, right in the intro of the movie, kind of like set the tone as okay, this is how these men are thinking of these women. Yeah, I feel like every time you meet a new male character, it's like here's some misogyny to go with him. Like, I feel Mm -hmm. like the dad, like the dad to me, which is so evident, obviously, of the, like, if you know Taming of the Shrew, you know this, like, part of the plot. But, like, he's so strict on, like, any kind of, like, dating rules and is very much, like, kind of sees himself as having, like, dominion over his daughters and, like, control over them. and, And then, like, his rationalization is the fact that he's like an OBGYN and delivering babies to like teen moms, which I'm like power to teen moms that are wanting to have babies, but also like, why aren't you getting them like their proper birth control and things like that? Like, I'm just kind of like, okay, anyway, I won't keep all of that, I guess, but I literally Mm -hmm. am like, okay, but also why don't you then teach your daughters how to have like healthy and safe sex lives? You're literally an OBGYN. But so controlling and terrible. He, yeah. Paolo from The Princess Diaries. We stand the actor, but. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted him to be like, you broke my, you broke my brush or something. Some line. I wanted him to say. Oh, that's where he's from. Oh my God. (laughs) Love it. It's funny because I feel like my attitude has shifted a little bit on this since I watched the take because I think. I have a pretty narrow view of Taming of the Shrew and I learned through that video that like well a couple things one is that like taming could be interpreted in a different way in the sense that it could be more about like establishing ties not necessarily like submissive like women being submissive to men um and in this case like there was you can see that kind of comparison of that between like Kat's relationship with Patrick and then her her, like previous relationship that we had with Joey that we find about whereas like he was like pressuring her and basically like not respecting her opinions but then with Patrick like they very much are both like they're independent people and like she really meets her match and then they like do this break like the way that the take articulated it was saying they were doing this like brave work of being vulnerable together and I just think that like that that's that really like helps me wrap my mind around it where I don't know they're both like these these like scary characters to the to the people on the around them and they're not afraid of each other and like for me it's very much like they go through similar growth obviously the movie is centered around her but um yeah I do think the other misogynist thing though is that he is willing to get paid to go on dates to like date her which um I don't know if y'all heard my swanny monologue but that happened to me once so (laughs) basically my first ever slow dance I forgot about I went to middle I forgot about that so when I was watching the movie I was sort of like this happened to me not the same thing at all Nellie I forgot about that (laughs) I forgot about that too oh I didn't forget Maybe I'll do an interpretive reading of the pod one week. Oh, I'm sorry. That's so funny. I'm so sorry. It it is funny. It's absolutely funny. 
It's but also tragic, though. Maybe not trust men at all. It's the same thing as as Kat, except for it was not nearly as extreme. Like, she had to <laughs> sex with a man to realize she didn't trust them. I just had to slow dance with the sweaty boy to know that I did not trust him. Sweaty so, boy. Mm-mm-mm. Anyway, Pete, I don't know. I know I kind of teed you up for some Taming of the Shrew talk. Well, and I definitely- y'all, I am embarrassed to say this. I, an English major, have never read The Taming of the Shrew. What? What? And- I was just, I was telling Emily Kate that I read it in English 101 at Swanee. Oh, my English 101 class didn't. And my two Shakespeare classes that I took didn't read it. And like Professor Ingle would like mention it all the time. And I was like, uh-huh. um, I've also never read Dante. Wow. So I, I still also have never somehow. read that, but I was not an English major. So I have read Tammy the Shrew is like one of the few, like that's one of the few books I read in my English career, quote unquote. That's funny. Hey. My one class. Hey. In high school, my school did Taming of the Shrew as a play. Oh my god! And you were in it. I was in it. I was a nobody though. Were you the shrew? I was in it. No, I was a nobody. I was a freshman (laughs) in high school. I was just they like threw me in the back as an extra or something. (laughs) Um, that's like inappropriate, right? Just my opinion, my humble opinion. Um, (laughs) but although I have not, you know, read it or seen it, like it is definitely one of like Shakespeare's more. I wouldn't say it's his more famous one, but, like, it's well-known to a certain extent if you're, like, a literature student. Mm -hmm. And um, so, like, Shakespeare obviously had some messy plays, um, but he also had some really strong women characters. Um, My favorite of his plays is Macbeth, and I think Lady Macbeth is, like, an extremely strong, evil character and like I really think it's fascinating how her demise is because she wants power and it's not like she wants like beauty or love or sex like she wants power and I think that is like kind of like crazy for the time like to have a true woman character who like wants power just like a man so like you know I I would like to believe that Shakespeare was not a misogynist, but instead like had to at certain points had to appease the crowd and understood the time he was writing about. But I also think like in a lot of his other plays, he will use misogyny as irony um, to like make fun of the like insane standards women had. Um, This is simply my opinion. And like, I could be completely wrong and Shakespeare could be a misogynist. Please don't come for me. Um, he's obviously messy the time period was messy he's not perfect but like I kind of like just from other reading his other plays and seeing his other women characters you know I I think it could be like a lot of critics think that the taming of the shrew like at the end when she gives her big speech about how we need to bow down to our husbands a lot of people see that as ironic and don't see it as like a misogynist dream. But in regards to the movie, I think like, I don't think anyone is being tamed. And I think that's like the whole issue I have is like the idea that a woman needs to be tamed. It's animalistic. You tame a horse, you tame a dog, like you don't tame a woman. And so I don't think any taming is being done in the movie. So like, and I, I don't consider that being like, so then I don't consider it being sexist. I, I consider it like 
two people, Nellie, kind of like you said, two characters who, um, who like have broken down their walls and been vulnerable with each other, finally like find love in one another. Um, and like when Kat reads her poem to the class and to Patrick, uh, I cry every time when she starts crying, hits me in the, hits me in the heart, Patrick's face when she's reading it. Um, like, I just think it's like really beautiful. Like these two, like powerful, like staunch characters, like are really showing their vulnerability. And like, that's one of my, that's one of my favorite things about like being a strong woman now. It's like, oftentimes you think vulnerability is a weakness, but I think it's like actually a strength to be able to be like, I'm a strong woman or I'm a strong man, but I can be vulnerable. And so I think that's like one of my favorite parts of the movie. And that's like, you know, it's obviously not perfect, but I do think it's like a redeeming quality. Yeah. I would say that I definitely agree. The, the core of like the heart of the misogyny in Taming of the Shrew is the fact that the plot of the movie centered around a man taming his wife and teaching her to listen to him and be submissive and the movie obviously completely takes that part out of it and taming is never a factor at all I she is her own person she has depth she chooses to be with Patrick event and and she chooses not to be with Patrick you know she she's not being tamed and so the core part of the misogyny of the play is absolutely not in the film at all I think you could very much argue that there's still misogyny in the film through the male characters but because every single male character is sexist except Patrick doesn't come off that way but does that make the film misogynist I don't think so I think that like it's interesting because I, I, there are times where I feel like Patrick like puts up kind of a misogynist front like when he's speaking with the boys like at one point he does say like oh so I'm taming the beast then but like he truly does not actually feel this way like I, I really do think that he genuinely I mean maybe he purchased it at first like I'm gonna make a little bit of money that's that's good like I'll take some extra cash like but which is not great I said that's good I didn't mean it like that I meant that's what he's thinking (laughs) but he's like okay I'm gonna get a little extra cash but I do think that like once he actually meets her and like realizes like she's not like one afraid of him like she just like is her own person like she's not just like all of a sudden gonna like and that I don't know I do have a little bit of a problem with the fact that like she's like a challenge quote unquote because I do think that like if a woman like expresses like no I don't want to be with you then we should take no as no and so like as like a post me too kind of era this there are parts about this movie that I feel kind of icky about but ultimately I do feel like Patrick like I mean from a consent standpoint actually he's he actually does a really great job like he has that opportunity to kiss her in the car and he does it and a lot of the things I read about that were basically meaning that saying that I mean we don't know necessarily what was behind that but you, at, in a post me too like kind of movement era or in a current me too movement era I don't know how we want to think about it but the he like knows she's had too much to drink and it's like we should do this another time like I do think that that is like there are things about him I agree with you Emily like I, I, I think at his core, he's not misogynist. Like, he, 
now I have a dog barking, but um, <laughs> at his he core, is Team Patrick, he was saying he is no misogynist. Hug <laughs> isn't a misogynist either. He loves women. <laughs> Posey is like exactly like Cat. She hates men and some, but she loves women. Exactly. But actually, Cat doesn't love women, so never mind. Yeah. I think Kat wants the best for women, but many women she did not like. But anyway, um, I know we like kind of just talked about like misogyny and whatnot, but should we like go to our final question? Yeah, and we can do this. I mean, just wrapping up all of our collective yeah. thoughts. Yeah, I mean, Emily, is there anything else you wanted to touch on before we ask the is this feminist question? I think one thing that we talked about earlier that was just something I forgot to add was when we were talking about Kat's white feminism and um, we touched on her privilege and how she's definitely white feminist and just kind of like immature in her feminism Mm -hmm. Um, but one scene that really like made me like (gasps) was when she backed her car into Joey's car I was just thinking like oh my god the insurance money like oh my god you're gonna have to pay for that like you know because like I'm poor like I was like stressing out about that and just the fact that she like goes home and is like back talking her dad like well he deserved it you know this is this with no concern for money or no any consequences at all just kind of shows the privilege that she's coming from and how like her feminism is immature and not intersectional. She's like, daddy's a doctor. He's got it. Which is funny because that isn't feminist to be like, my dad's just going to pay for this. No, not at all. Yeah. Craziness. Uh -uh. Yeah. That's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. It was a good scene. It like, it's like makes you laugh. Like, oh yeah, she got him like that asshole. But like, for me, I was like, oh, like no, that's so much money. When she <laughs> okay. in the box, um, like her sister did. I yeah. like feel bad saying this, but like <laughs> Joey deserved it and her dad was rude. So like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't feel bad. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Make his pockets hurt. Okay. Okay. <laughs> She's like, fuck all men, pay for me hitting this man in the car. My dad, who I hate. (laughs) Y'all, she like killed two birds with one stone. Like, okay, when you put it that way, that is her dad. Her joke. Okay, at its core, this is feminist. It is definitely privileged. You can't. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just had to add. Like, if she behaves like that at college, she's getting kicked out of college. Sarah Lawrence will not allow it. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> and that's also not saying that I would do that because I love my father and I, I also do like not want my, him. I would have had to pay for that if I did that. Right. Oh, yeah. My dad would have been like, fuck no, am I paying for that? Uh-uh. You got it. Take it to the doesn't pay. cover PMS. <laughs> I would just like hurt him with my words. I wouldn't back into his car. I would just like be mean to him. I would have just like gotten in his car and driven away. He literally like just put it right there. Oh, he did? Oh, yeah, God. he did. Steal it. Yeah, steal his fucking, like, I don't know what kind of car that was. I don't know cars. <laughs> Make his pockets hurt. Make his pockets hurt. 2021. That's okay. that's the theme. I got my nails done, and I'm acting a fool. Like, I've been, like, using my hands this whole time. Well, I think we've definitely, I mean, we can go through this question kind of quickly. I say that more for myself, because I'm not great at brevity, as we know. But, um... <laughs> We'll ask the age-old question that we do every episode is 10 Things I Hate About You, a feminist movie. 
Emily, since you're our guest, we could invite you to <laughs> answer first, but or last, or you can answer I, last. It's your choice. You are our guest first, I guess. Um, I feel like I would feel more comfortable saying it's a feminist rom com than saying it's like a feminist movie in general because feminist movie, I would not. That does not conjure in my head to things that I hate about you. Absolutely not. But a feminist rom-com, like specifically from that genre, I think it would it would be the most feminist of the genre of this time period because there's feminism mentioned. There's it's not a perfect feminism, but there is feminism portrayed throughout the movie and it factors into the plot and defines the character, affects the relationships between the main character and her sister and basically everything that happens so even though it's definitely white feminism it's privileged it's not perfect and it does kind of have that like oh feminism is a bad word nobody wants to be like that it still is starting the conversation and there's still a strong female lead that is speaking her mind and for a rom-com that's feminist just having a strong character speaking their mind doing what they feel like doing I would say yes but feminist movie as a whole ah <laughs> I don't know I feel similarly I I feel like this is a answer that I've been using a lot which maybe could be considered a cop-out answer apologies if you feel that way but I do feel like I have trouble calling 10 things I hate about you a feminist movie but I do feel like it is certainly a part of like feminist history in the sense that like it really paved the way for feminist rom-coms of its kind um it was really the first at least in in my eyes I'm sure there were others that work towards this but like we said I feel like it's it's the only one of its time where it's like actually act like mentioning feminism and portraying feminism in any kind of light and clearly it did like inspire some some group of people like out there to be feminist um and have that be part of their high school experience so like it's hard to be like no this isn't feminist because I think it has feminist like tendencies and part like pave the way for movies like Booksmart that being said I do think that like it it's very narrow in being such a white feminist perspective and I also think ultimately it's paving the way for more white feminist perspectives and I I think hopefully hopefully we're continuing to broaden that scope because ultimately like I don't think like feminism is feminism if it's not intersectional so like I said I think this is part of feminist history but I don't think it is feminist um but but yeah I I don't know my opinions have shifted on this especially when thinking about I I think that Taming of the Shrew is a little bit more feminist than I've looked at it I think with like the sarcasm elements and things like that and just how we define taming Um, I think the only way that we can continue to use these pieces of work is if we redefine that word a little bit otherwise it's just going to do more harm than good but yeah feminist history not feminist (sighs) okay I agree with both of you, um, but I'm going to go ahead and just say yes. I think it is feminist. Um, I think it's feminist, although it's not perfect, and I have critiques because everything y'all just said is very valid, but I think, like, watching it now, um, 
the fact that it was like 20 years ago and like covered some topics that like movies today haven't even covered I think is really like important and valid um and I just appreciate at the end of the day that we had like a likable woman character who considered herself a feminist and also was she was not afraid of other people's opinions on her and it wasn't like oh I want to be intimidating it wasn't like oh I want people to be scared of me it was simply she was like I truly just want to be happy and I'm gonna do what I want and I think that's really refreshing because oftentimes like we see women who like are constantly pandering to like other men and other women and just like having that representation of a woman character who truly did not care about like the male gaze, what men thought of her or what other women thought of her, I think was like important. Um, and then I also think like the love story between Patrick and Kat like had problems, of course, like um, like any couple did does. But I think it was like a very great example to watch of like two people truly like becoming vulnerable and like you know they they obviously like (laughs) their relationship started in a very like bad way being like you know being paid to take her out but like watching their walls come down and watching them like cherish each other was really awesome and I also love like a strong man who's not intimidated intimidated by a strong woman um and we were able to like witness that and I think that is like it's the bare minimum but like we're still asking for it like we still have men that are intimidated by a strong woman and you know I think it was it's helpful to witness so like you know if we were ranking feminist movies this would definitely not be at the top of my list but like I, I do, I would consider it a feminist movie. Hot take, um, no one come for me. I feel like I say that every episode. I feel like I'm always <laughs> like, don't sue me. I don't think anyone is on their, is filing a lawsuit against you. Don't worry. I can be like, don't cancel me. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. You're like, please don't cancel me. Well, awesome. Well, this has been so much fun. Um, and we're going to move on to an action item that Emily's going to share with us if she's good to do that. It'd be awesome. Yes. So as you all know, I'm from South Carolina. I'm currently living in Greenville. I'm from Columbia. And right now in South Carolina, they're trying to pass a heartbeat bill. So if you don't know what that means, it is a law that would prohibit women from getting abortions as soon as you can hear a heartbeat. So that would be at around six weeks, which is before some women even know that they are pregnant. So it would essentially make abortion totally illegal in the state of South Carolina. Yeah, we don't want that. (laughs) I don't want that. Um, Just wanted to bring awareness to that issue. If you live in South Carolina, um, just be aware, try to call your lawmakers. Just please do not want this to pass. Um, Yeah fuck that bill yeah thank you Nelly. yes fuck that fuck that bill Mm -mm. oh no that makes me so angry that that is back but hopefully not so long yeah and currently there there are um exceptions for rape and incest but there are lawmakers that are trying to even take that part out as well and it's just a very extreme uh anti-abortion law Yeah. And the tough thing about like that sort of um, technicality is that like you have to have had 
like a confirmed rape case and again like as we know many rape cases do not like move forward in the justice system Mm -hmm. so in that case like there are probably cases of again I think anyone who wants to get an abortion should be able to Mm -hmm. but regardless of like whether they consented to the act or not but especially if they did not consent there still may not even be like that may not even be fully um declared in a court of law so it may not even protect them against this either so it's just also fucked but call your state senators if you live in south carolina call them if you don't live there i don't know if they'll listen to you but you should still do it um and yeah we'll keep it as we find more um thanks emily for sharing this and as we find more kind of advocacy opportunities surrounding this we'll be sure to share them on our instagram um, okay thank you so much and if you find anything pass them along to us and we'll post All it right. out to our 200 followers which is not very <laughs> shout out to y'all <laughs> we also wanted to give a shout out i know we've we've shouted her out a ton but she's deserving of all of these shout outs but um as we said we're going to try to be doing a person of the week going forward um and we wanted to give a shout out to our queen stacy abrams who was nominated for a nobel peace prize this week if you don't know she basically single-handedly won georgia in both the presidential um for us she did not win in her election which is fucked up but i can't get and if you want to check out her organization fair fight um, we encourage you to do so and fingers fingers crossed she wins that nobel peace prize but we love her her. emily kate did you have a quote you wanted to share oh uh, my favorite quote from the movie is when patrick says uh who needs love when you have blind hatred (laughs) (laughs) i love that or maybe it wasn't love maybe it was affection who needs affection when you have blind hatred it was something like that but i love that one definitely blind hatred though i love definitely (laughs) i love patrick i love him Uh, i mean he's ledger (laughs) he's a babe yeah yeah australian accent say no (laughs) sorry we can't get into this because we could talk about this for another half hour well thanks emily is there anything else you want to share before we close up i think i'm good thank you so much for having me this has been really fun this has been so much fun it feels like fun fun school fun class love this movie and I loved watching it with a critical eye. It was so fun. I know. My, I was watching it with Seamus and he loved it. He had to like stop midway through because there was some basketball game he wanted to watch. But he literally was like, I'm going to finish this later, though. It's so good. I was like, Aww. yeah, dude, it is. He thought Can't. Bianca was kind of beat, though. I was like, okay, Seamus. <laughs> okay. Not, he was like, Kat's obviously hotter. I was like, okay, chill out. Okay, like, okay King. <laughs> okay, King. He obviously has been around strong, powerful women his whole life. He has, so. Mm -hmm. All right, well, this has been Feminist Fiends and Quarantine Queens. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.